I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Welcome to Fever FM. Tonight we're talking a bumper game of football and probably another bumper game of football because that was a pretty sparkling weekend. Tonight I'm joined by Dave and Dale. How are we, lads? Excellent, thank you. Pretty good if we hadn't just sat there waiting 30 minutes for someone to join who said they couldn't join. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. We All three of us are complete clowns, but I don't think that's, you know, any kind of uh, unknown quantity. Uh at least only one of us was hassling him via text to, to come on. Yeah, I I did that because Dale told me to. Dale's normally in charge and, you know. Well, there's your first yeah. mistake. Well, you know, it's a nice segue for you throw, me throwing you under the bus when we've got a bus to Palmy North, I felt. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. All right, That's the quality we bring. Let's get on to the women's game who did actually bring some quality. Uh, what a game, lads. This is, uh, I, I don't know where this game came from, but this was not the same team. Yeah, it, it felt kind of out of nowhere. I mean, what what a great result and, and what a great day to do it. I mean, there was a reasonable crowd in, beautiful day and huge win. I mean, there's there's... Uh, yeah, it, it must have just been fantastic for those players. It must give them a huge confidence boost that they were sorely needing. You know, they they had put together some decent football at, at points prior to this, but hadn't got anything out of it. And, and today it just, well, not today, but in this game, it just all came together, which was um, pretty nice for them. And, and you could see it was pretty special for some of those players. I mean, um, Nat looked like she was in tears after the game. You know, they, they clearly um, had put a lot into this one and it, it came together. Well, yeah, we should probably go over the, that team. It was slightly different. Um, Betsy Hassett rushing back from the All-Whites game to uh, slot in up front rather than in the middle. Um, otherwise, fairly unchanged, but a bit of a sea change as far as formation goes, getting Hassett up the top. And holy dooly, that was... Oh, that made all the difference. Just the, the passing from the middle, the run runners on... Um, We've probably got to mention that the Canberra keeper was uh, not having a good game. Is that a, um adequate adjective? Uh, yeah, that's a yeah, polite way of saying it. Yeah, I think uh, I think that probably has it change, I guess, gave us a bit more um, ball control, a bit higher up the field. Um, obviously, you know, she's, yeah. she's good on the ball and, and does a lot of good work, but if it's around your halfway line, it's, it's not as dangerous as if it's sort of you know, 20 yards from goal. And I think we probably saw that the ability for her to keep the ball and, and bring other players into the game, other other attacking, you know, wider players into the game because they were had more chance to get higher up the field and, and obviously helped, um, you know, across that whole, whole, well, the minutes that she played anyway. But yeah, so I guess, yeah, popping five goals is, is going from scoring three to, to eight. Uh, and, a, and a weekend's probably not a bad uh, little outcome, really. Mm. Well, it started looking good when uh, I think it was Pritchett got away uh, through the middle and the keeper decided to come a long way out and got stranded. Unfortunately, Pritchett finished very high and wide. That that made me think, oh, God, is this going to be one of these days where we just butcher everything and end up doing a Phoenix men's and losing 1-0. Uh, but there was, there was a fair bit of dominance here. It, f- it felt like, not only were we holding the ball and executing and getting the ball further upfield, it looked like it was not one-sided, but certainly um, we were exercising a bit of um, a bit of dominance. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I, I I feel the same. Um, I feel like we were we were dominant through a lot of this game. It felt like we had a lot of time on the ball. It felt like we we had a lot of possession. But if you look at the the stats for the game, that's actually not true. We only had 44% possession, um, things like jewels, aerial jewels, successful dribbles, fouls, offsides. A lot of that is all pretty pretty even. It's really only the attacking stats that we dominate on, and we dominate pretty heavily there. Lots more shots, lots more shots on target, and obviously mm. lots more goals. But watching the game live, it felt like we were we were very dominant. Um, 
if you if you read the stats, however, it looks more like we were really dominant on the counter, uh, which may in fact be true. Um, and yeah, no, I, I think it's fantastic. And, and we certainly controlled the game well enough, but I, I don't think we necessarily dominated as much as it kind of felt like on the ground. Yeah, that that's fair. I mean, the, the shots and everything. For me, it, it seemed like where we were making inroads was that pass, that that telling pass from the uh, middle third. There was a lot of direct play and direct passing, but really nicely weighted passes um, with their keeper not having the best of times. We certainly made some inroads in there and caused a bit of desperation. Um, do, we, do we think that that's just having that extra ball player up top to give someone uh, to spread the defence out a little more rather than kind of Pritchard doing it up top by yourself? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know, we've seen in the past where, um, you know, we have a reasonable reasonable spread of attacking players, but I just don't think we're, you know, transitioning the ball cleanly from our defence further forward. And it seemed like we played, maybe went a little bit, changed slightly and played a little bit more longer, but quicker sometimes, um, rather than sort of kind of a slow build up. And if we actually lose the ball, we, we kind of mixed up a little bit and maybe that kind of caught Canberra a little bit. Um, but it certainly felt like we had the ball higher up the pitch than we have previously. And, and whether that's a bit of a, probably a mixture of, of Hassett playing up there as well, but also maybe Canberra not having a, a particularly great um, game either. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't press us much, which we've, we've seen a lot of the t- other teams we've played so far this season have really put us under pressure with, with a, you know, a press right from, right from when we receive it in defense all the way, all the way through. Um, whereas Canberra seemed much happier to kind of give us a bit of time and space on the ball. Um, obviously, that didn't work out very well for them, but I think it probably um, helped build a little of that confidence in that we did have that time for an extra touch and to get heads up and and some of that stuff that we haven't had previously when we've you know had two or three people gang tackling our central defenders when they're trying to clear it. You know, it's it's felt like we've been scrambling not only defensively but right through the midfield as well whereas this game we were able to be a bit bit more settled and whether that's purely down to some of the um, formation changes versus I think it was just how Canberra chose to play and and obviously it wasn't a good wasn't a good tactic to pick yeah I I think uh, to pull out a 5-0 win out of nowhere um, there's got to be more than one thing that just clicks surely Um, we should probably get on to the goals because there was so many of them uh, with the Canberra keeper not having the best of times, a couple of uh, one get, once getting caught out and a, du- a bit of a dud save. Um, uh, later on, uh, the ball has been headed over the top of her, and a bit of a bit of a melee as is becoming traditional for the uh, Knicks women's team. Uh, good head over the top, but it's been cleared off the line. I'm going to give it generously and say it didn't go over the line. But uh, Emily Clegg's given a nice right foot. Side side foot volley, um, that was a tidy little finish. I mean, it was in traffic, and she just pushed it home. Yep, it'd be, it'd be one you'd be gutted not to put away. But as you say, you still gotta you still gotta actually do it, and it wasn't wasn't the easiest of chances. So yeah, no, well taken. Yeah, it was really really solid technique, and didn't didn't snatch at it, which is what I you know you see a lot of the time snatch and a scuff. Um, yeah, a bit of dominance in the air for that that tackle. Uh, sorry, not the tackle, the the header, uh, which was good to see as well. Um, later on, Sat- I think it was Satchel, wasn't it? They got the f- first header, and she's not exactly. The, I thought it was the tallest. I thought it was either Satchel or Vandermeer, but I wasn't sure if it if she was up for that. But yeah, it was. Um, it's good to see them getting up there and um, like making causing problems on set piece. Um, what was good to see was that. They managed to get in and get that second goal before half time as well. Really, kind of cement that and uh, put pressure on the um, on the uh, Canberra team when they came out. Uh, Betsy Hassett getting her first of the day. Uh, this this wasn't bad either. Yeah, it was a nice little little counter attack. I can't remember who was it. Satchel, I think, got it wide and then played. I'm going to say Ava Pritchard and, and and had a shot and it was then parried to her to, to sort of tap home. But yeah, it was, I guess, our first proper goal, really, wasn't it? Our first like non non goal mouth scramble goal um, this season um, worked quite well. Obviously, it would have been nice if it didn't result from a from a keeper parry, but um, you still got to be in the right place at the right time to pick up the scraps. 
yeah, it wasn't wasn't the best parry. You know, uh, slotting it across goal is is not not what you want to do. But then again, uh, you have to follow in on those, and she did on the far post. Yeah, it, you know, you can't complain if you get an easy goal. Um, timing of it, right before halftime, that's just. I, I love those goals uh, right before and right after halftime. And that leads nicely into the uh, Ava Pritchard goal on 46 minutes. So straight back into it uh, before Canberra's even clocked on, really. Uh, again, n- nice, simple football, really. Yeah, and I think it showed the confidence that, that the team were building at that point. You know, that as you say, that one just before halftime would have meant going into the sheds with a totally different feeling than they've had all season. You know, they've been going in two or three down all, all year or battling hard and still going in nil all on occasion. So um, that confidence must have just changed that that halftime talk so much and they came out riding high on it again, you know, playing positive football and, and doing what they've been wanting to do all along. So, yeah. Um, great reward for a bit of confidence there, and it just continued. Another one that showed um, Foster's ability to deliver good balls, and you know, it was an excellent cross to pick up Pritchard, who, who tidy finished at home. But again, probably one of those ones where the more we can get her and more attacking, you know, attacking areas, which I don't think we've seen too much so far. I think the better it's, it's worked out for us, right? Because it's it's you know, she's got a pretty decent cross on her. She has a fantastic cross on her and a fantastic uh, set piece as well, which we'll get to a little bit later. But obviously, uh, Betsy Hassett scoring that uh, second goal. Uh, how good was this pass? Uh, yeah, it was Gomez with the kind of, I think it was like a, I didn't quite see a close-up shot, but it looked like it was the, almost the no-look pass, I think, or the reverse pass. It was. Yeah, it was definitely the reverse. I don't, didn't see your head on it, but man, that's great run and great pass. Yeah, and yeah, it's quite hard to know whether that one was better than our than our third one. They were both like really well worked for, for very different reasons. Yeah, and it was good to good to see some of that kind of like combinations clicking up front. It's a thing that we've kind of lacked a little there. You know, people people making good runs, but the person passing the ball not seeing it, not being on the same wavelength. You know, whereas this looked like things finally connecting. You know, people people actually on the same wavelength, and and bang, it's in the back of the net, and it's a nice easy goal. You know. Um, that's what we just haven't seen so far is is those combinations up front clicking and there's a variety of reasons for that but it was nice to see it finally working mm. um, we mentioned uh, Foster's crosses and I uh, alluded to it but the uh, fifth goal and on the 88th uh, this corner was as good as I've seen from a yellow and black shirt um, regardless of which team that had real rip on it I, I love to see a bit of, wasn't just drifted in, didn't just slightly curl. Man, that's a really troubling corner. Yeah, it's it's exactly where you want the ball to be put, right? You know, it, the, the way the goal ends up finished, maybe not the ideal outcome, but it ends <laughs> up in the back of the net because it was put in the right area. Um, and, and, you know, the defenders and the goalkeeper and, you know, that corridor of uncertainty, as they call it, it it's right there. People people aren't 100 feet what to do with it. And it's, it's coming in flat and hard and it's in the back of the net. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's been attributed as a known goal, but it, uh, we were talking about it before. It's a forced error. It's not. It's not unforced, and you can, and you can put that down to Foster's delivery on that, and yeah. some, and and some nice, um, uh, level-headed finishing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's rightly called an oggy in the end because you kind of shanks a clearance into her own foot and it ends up in the back of the net. But as you say, that's that's because of a good cross in and a, and a you know shot put on target. That doesn't that doesn't happen without that ball in. So um, yeah, it's great and and good to see Mickey Robinson almost on the score sheet again from a corner. It's you know not the area you'd expect her to excel from and. Yeah, unlucky to miss out to an Augie this time, but they all count the same, and I'm sure she'll uh, still still be pretty happy to have put that in. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, you can imagine that. I mean, you mentioned that uh, almost in tears. That you know, uh, you can imagine that there'd be some fair celebrations and some deserved uh, post game celebrations. Um, while I, I I think this is I, I the more Dave uh, has mentioned that um, the Canberra's not willing to. Um, to press us, it, it concerns me that maybe people will learn from that and won't give us that time to be making those passes in the middle. Um, 
is this enough confidence to kick on on the season and and be able to adapt if we come under that pressure? Probably depends on what team we're talking about, really. Um, you know, I think next week or this week we've got Brisbane Raw, who themselves have not been flashed. I think they've had three wins, which have been against two against Newcastle Jets, who are just above us, and one against Western Sydney Wanderers. So they've they haven't beaten any decent side. So um, suspect you know there's a little bit of potential to to go back to back wins um, this weekend. So. I mean, it's, it's quite funny, like, we kind of did what other teams had done to us previously. We kind of went bang, bang, bang in a short period of time to rip the game apart. Um, yeah, I think Melbourne City did it to us in the first game. And Sydney, maybe someone else did it as well, I think, with three goals in quick succession. Mm, yeah. um, so it was nice to kind of us to get three goals ahead. Um, and then obviously with the penalty save, um, it was a little bit of a undercovered Part of the game, I think, you know, I know you're three goals ahead, but if you concede one that came out of nothing, get back to 3-1, do, you, do your nerves start kicking in? Do you, does yep. it, you know, game fade away? Does momentum change? That kind of stuff. So I think that penalty save was, was a very important part of that that victory and, and gave us a bit more space and confidence for the last 10 minutes to, to knock in a couple more goals. Mm, there was an early save by Edwards as well where she came out uh, and basically took the ball out early uh, to stop someone getting a clean shot off as well that I thought was really good. Put her body on the line for it. Um, two two really solid saves. And I think when you're trying to save your season, that makes all the difference. And she's been she's been good throughout the season so far. But as you say, I mean, she was she was big in this game as well. This easily could have not been a clean sheet. I mean, the the penalty, uh, the it was at a very savable height, very savable kind of space, and and she saves it. But you still got to make the save. And I think I think she had a good game, but. I think for us, the key of whether or not we can keep this kind of run of form going is we obviously have to ride that confidence, but I think we have to we have to look at the the total complexion of the game as well and go, we actually won this 5-0 with 40% of the possession. Um, you know, this, this did show we can play on the counter. And so against those teams, even when we're under the pump, we still need to keep finding the ways to actually get it to click on the counter because we scored some good goals that were basically one touch football and in the back of the net. Um, if we can do that, even against the best teams, even if we're in, under the pump at the other end, there's a lot of low scoring games in the, um, in the Liberty a league. And, and I think we can get some results out of nicking a few good goals on the counter. And I think hopefully this will give them the confidence to know they can do that. And we've just got to find the ways to fashion those moments, even in the games under the pump. Uh, just as we were about to talk about the uh, men's game, uh, Tracy's walked in the door to give her opinions. Uh, hello, Tracy. Hi. Okay, after that cracking result uh, with uh, anticipation high, uh, we got to the men's game. Uh, this was there was a a bit riding on this one. Um, Central Coast Mariners sitting in second, big run of form the last few games, uh, being very very solid. Uh, but the Knicks, on a little mini run of form, um, you really need these these home games to tick across in a very tight league. Uh, how were you feeling before these uh, before we kicked off, guys? Honestly, I came in with a bit of confidence. Um, the last performance we put out against the Mariners, you know, we should have come away with with points. Um, and I, I kind of probably um, <laughs> misguidedly felt coming in that in some ways we were favourites on, on a run of form and, and how the matchup had gone last time, despite their table position, um, I was pretty confident. Um, yeah, but I, that was probably just me. I, th- I think having Cummings out before the game was uh, a big big bonus. Yeah, I I must admit I didn't notice that until uh, I got that they effectively kicked off. Um, but yeah, I, the reason I asked was I was feeling reasonably confident about this too. Um, after I don't want to call them good wins, but gutsy wins. I was hoping that, you know, being at home, nice day, the women have done well. It feels like, you know, things are there. Or also, then again, things could be there for a classic Knicks men turnaround. Uh, But it didn't go too badly. We looked good from the outset, I thought. Yeah, I think probably the, maybe the first 45 minutes could easily be our best half of the season I think I'm just trying to rack my brain for anything better we we looked 
completely all, all over them, really, I thought. Um, and starting from, from minute one, when Costa hit the crossbar, um, you know, so we got two goals in the first half, but we, we looked like we had, yeah, looked like we had complete control. Midfield was working well, nice little, you know, one-twos, um, good movement, good retention of the ball, um, and, and being able to be patient when we wanted to and, and you know, ratchet up intensity when we thought there was a chance. I thought we looked, yeah, like we... We looked like we were a million bucks. We could have been the best team in the in the league at that stage. Well, yeah. we should. Um, the thirteenth uh, minute was when it, we really ratcheted that up. Um, uh, I think Stormru was lucky to stay on the field for this. Uh, he's brought down. Uh, who was it up up top? Was it um, Moragas? Moragas, yeah. Moragas has run on. Ruse just dived in, got nothing but ankle, uh, just outside the box. Yep. For mine, Moragas was having a shot his next movement. Once he was in the box, he was there to shoot. Uh, please tell me how this is not a dog so. I think his touch is too heavy. I think, and I think that's what the delay in the VAR was. I think it was quite clearly that front on angle. You could see it was outside the box, but I think there was a lot of looking at to seeing would he have got retained the, the ball. And I, I just, I think he had. Maybe kicked it about maybe two yards too early for it to to be a clear opportunity. I feel like either I think the keeper probably would have would have claimed it regardless. Yeah, I I think obviously the the delay was them looking at this whether or not it's red. I mean the the penalty decision was incredibly easy, well outside the box. No yeah. no controversy there, but that does bring the dog so red into play. And I think you know just just because he might have been having a shot doesn't necessarily make it a clear and obvious goal scoring opportunity. Um, I think things like the angle he's going to end up shooting from there and, you know, the control he has over the ball matter. And I think I think it sits in quite an orange space where a yellow feels a bit light because it's a pretty bad yellow. But I think to give a red here for Dogzo would have been very tough. And they obviously kind of came to that same conclusion. They spent a lot of time looking at it and decided it didn't quite make the cut for that. And I think, as Dale says, you know, there's factors of how heavy his touch is, if he is shooting, what kind of angles he's shooting from, you know, the keeper's right there. There are defenders coming. I mean, I don't think they're going to get there and be much use, but they might cut off some angle for a shot. Um, you know, I, I just don't think it's a clear and obvious. This is definitely um, a really good shot right in front, six yards out. You know, this is this is tight angle, ball having to stretch for it. I, yeah, I kind of agree when they didn't find the red, but we've seen softer reds given before. So anything's a bit of a lottery in this league, right? It's so hard because I, I think VAR, I mean, it's a controversial thing at all times, but like if that decision gets made normally, with no VAR, you're like, yep, okay, accept it. But all the time that it takes to like relitigate everything, it just like sucks the energy out of everything. It it is kind of a, a funny one because I, I I just wondered in my mind before if the ref hadn't given the penalty in the first spot, and it's saying it was a foul outside the box, and it's a dog, so would she have overturned that decision? I don't think so. I think if a red card had been given for Dogso, it would have stood. I think it sat right in the middle there where there, there just wasn't enough evidence to overturn either way. Um, that That's my gut feel. Yeah, I, I think maybe you're right. It, certainly they took long enough that made it seem a bit um, wonky. Um, I, I felt like the pressure there, though, was on the Mariners by this stage. We saw... Um, uh, in Kololo, uh getting quite stroppy uh, following this, uh, but n- none more so than Tulio. He was throwing a tantrum all game, but basically from here on in, I- I- I'm yet to see how he didn't get at least a yellow for back chat. He was on that ref basically from, from then on. There was a few Mariners players who did that, and it was quite disgusting actually. Like, I don't, I mean, maybe my rose-tinted Phoenix glasses are on, but I didn't think that we had the same level of wine that they did. They were constantly like, in the referee's face. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of hand gestures. There were a lot of coming from a long distance to come and have words. Um, a lot of crowding around as well, like yeah. numbers of them all crowding the ref. But. I mean, much much as the players should should do better, it's also on the ref to control that early. And as you say, you know what that wasn't 
a thing that developed late in the game. That was happening very early on and just continued throughout. And I think, you know, an, an early yellow for some of that back chat probably would have settled it down. Um, hmm. I'm not saying it should be all on the ref to do that, but when you see that developing, you know, you do have some tools in your toolbox to to try and uh, bring a bit of control back to the game. And we just didn't see it used here. Um, and as you say, Trace, like maybe that's rose-tinted Phoenix glasses, but it certainly felt like the Mariners were in there crowding every decision and our guys were only feeding off that when it was kind of starting to boil over. Yeah, I, I, I must admit, I, I thought the um, refs, she started off uh, pretty well in the first 5, 10, 20 minutes, but as it progressed, it, it yeah, the game the game got a little bit... Tetchy. Uh, yeah, tetchy, thank you. Um, it got tetchy towards the ref, and then the tetchiness boiled over into decisions, and suddenly everyone's flying in. Um, there was a couple of, of very, very rash tackles, one of which wasn't even considered a foul. The, the, it looked like a two-footer coming screaming in from miles away, and I'm thinking either I've just not seen that clearly or that's not the greatest decision. Yeah, that was, that was Brian Caltex one. I think it, from our angle, it looked a lot worse than on the replay where the players, one of our players is nowhere near the ball. So um, it definitely looked a lot worse. But yeah, it felt like as the game wore on, yeah, the tensions were getting a bit more, more. And it felt like, I think I, I can't remember who I was standing next to, but I said, this ref just needs to throw a couple of yellow cards to a couple of people mm. who haven't had a yellow card yet, just to throw, so, show some authority and try and cut some of the stuff out. And um, obviously it boiled out over it. Well, post game didn't it? Um, was the most yeah. obvious spot, but it felt like it was building for a long, long period of time for them. Yeah. And I, I will say at least, like, like I completely agree with everything you've just said, both of you, but I think I think at least there was a level of consistency to that. Like we didn't see the thresh cut, threshold for a yellow card kind of change from the 60th minute on like we do often see from A-League refs. You know, the, the threshold was set. I think it was probably set at the wrong sort of level. I think um, those sorts of challenges should be getting carded and should be getting called as fouls. But for the most part, it was relatively consistent. There was a there was a fairly high threshold for what mm. was going to be considered a foul, and that went both ways. For the most part, there were there were a couple calls that maybe were a bit a bit iffy still. But on the whole, the threshold was set high, and that applied to both teams. And and I mean. I definitely think that's a recipe for a boil over, but there's nothing worse than when we see games where, you know, early on a foul can be much worse and only a foul. And from the 60th minute, suddenly any sort of touch is a yellow, you know, and, and I don't think that gives players any sort of um, confidence in a referee either when you do feel like it's chopping and changing on you. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's very true. Um, we saw Alex Rufo when he got his yellow. It was a clear clear yellow he's just run after the guy and just had two two bites at it and then just pulled him over well that's an interesting one because i did comment to someone about whether he could be in line for two yellow cards because he he tried to break up the play twice um and i've seen a video of someone else doing this in the uk where they've chopped someone down trying to break out the play the advantage has continued and he's gone down and chopped them at the other end of the pitch and has been given two yellow cards so um i think it was he's I mean, it would have been a bit, bit hard, but um... as you say, it's certainly allowed for in the rules. Yeah, I, I think that he was saved by the fact that it continued. It just continued. It wasn't like two goes at it. He just kind of chopped with the legs. That didn't work. That didn't work. And then he just went up, bugger it, and just grabbed him and threw him. Um, I guess speaking of Alex Rufa, we need to we need to get to the the moment. Uh, Thirty two minutes in. A ball has bobbled out to Alex Rufa inside the six, uh, and he has, under pressure, slotted home his first goal in 107 games. And genuinely, I was a little emotional about this. When I realised it was him, I was like, no, it can't be him. It's got to be... No, Oh, God, it is him. He looked Rufa's... a little bit pleased about it too, didn't he? Oh, oh yes, mate. Just a tad. Fully deserved, like 107 games you've been slogging out there and to finally get one under your belt. Well, it, honestly, I, this isn't the goal I expected him to to score finally. I mean, he's 
he he can hit a ball and we've seen him hit some pretty decent volleys before from 30 out and he's just been unlucky for the most part I mean he's obviously absolutely skied some as well there's been some shockers in there but We've seen him hit some amazing volleys. I was I was thinking this was when he finally scored, it was going to be a Vinny Lear-esque, you know, just absolute screamer. And instead he gets a tap in in the six-yard box. And that's just not the, go- the goal I expected him to score, but fantastic result and, and tidy finish, you know, well done to him. Um, he's fully deserved the goal. And yeah, great that it's finally happened. Well, I mean, this uh, we have heard... Um... Ufi uh, take the midfield to task a little bit for not following into the box, and I think that um, you know that that idea has certainly borne fruit from uh, for uh, Alex in this instance. Um, what did absolutely boil boil me over was uh, he scored it. Everyone's run back, celebrated, and then VAR takes another two minutes, and you think, "Oh Christ, they, you can't chalk this off." That I literally was in the stand saying, "This is going to be a peak A League moment." Alex Rufa finally scores a goal. We go through all the celebrations, and then we chalk it off, and he's back to zero again. It'll just be an amazing A League moment when that happens. Um, so part of me is a little sad that that didn't happen because it would have truly been peak A League. But yeah, for Alex, I'm obviously glad that didn't happen. You're just waiting for it to see that that second ball that's four inches over the line and in the in the field of play or something. Yeah, well, I think they had two two reasons to pick it up. I think one, I think you could argue there was a small push on Storm Rue by I think Josh Laws in the lead up, and I think the other one was an argument that he might have been offside. Um, it looked pretty 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 close on on both inspections, and I suppose if we were on the receiving end, um, I think we might be a little bit aggrieved because um, there was. A, a small push, and it's really hard to know where the threshold for for that really is. Us. Mm. Yeah, it's there's always a lot of jostling in the box, but I it feels to me like that's the sort of stuff that doesn't tend to get picked up on VAR now because if if the ref's there, it's kind of unless someone's like literally thrown someone to the ground, it it feels. You know the early early VAR days. It felt like you know any kind of slight infringement was that was going to get picked up. But it feels like they've let a few of those go now. What really happened is that they went to VAR. They were like, maybe he's offside. Someone wait. It's Alex Rufa. Check his stats. Hasn't scored before. Let it go. That's what happened. <laughs> oh, cynical. Utterly cynical. You think it took two minutes to to Google Alex Rufus' stats because they were going through Winston Reid's stat. Ah, uh, not Winston Reid's. I didn't Rufus. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. You just killed your own joke. Know, it wasn't even terrible. a good one to start with. <laughs> it's like he's never played in the A League. Who is this player? I'm sorry, Dale, but I can't follow that. <laughs> yeah, you can. That's what we're paying you the big bucks to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, those big bucks. Um, fortunately, they're in my Swiss bank account. Uh, yeah, I, not long after this, uh, Oscar Zavada's uh, popped up. Uh, nice little striker's goal for this one. Do you guys even remember it? Or are we still celebrating the roofer goal? I'm trying to remember it now. Uh, it's been whipped in. He's followed up through the centre of the field and just stabbed home. Oh, this was uh, Cullen Elliott's delightful ball from the, the right hand side, wasn't it? Yeah, he's he's given it the he's given it the. Uh, the bouncing uh, cross, which is a unique delivery, but Zawada's dealt with it pretty well. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice ball in. It's it's a tidy finish. I mean, he pokes it into the roof, which is always nice. You know, yeah. If you get a toe poke at home, might as well roof it, right? Hey, nice though, nice Dave. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, is it really? Well, not- he doesn't realise what he's done. No, he's. He's laughing so hard, he, he might have just died, I think. I mean, th- this came straight after the back of um, Central Coast demanding a free kick down the other end, wasn't it, when uh, Tulio was kind of, let's say, had... Uh, Manhandled? I, I, I wish, at the time, I thought so too, but the replay kind of is kind of like Lewis like running from one side and kind of putting his hands on the guy's shoulders. But it doesn't seem to be like a real tug or anything. It's just kind of like, I'm sort of holding you to get past you. And I think he's kind of milked it, and the the refs kind of saw that too, or at least thinks he's he's um, milked it. Was this the one where Tulio gets up 
and runs at the ref and starts remonstrating with her. Yeah, he kind of yeah he kind of stops playing. We get the ball back and go up the other end, and I think he kind of chased chased after demanding a free kick. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the first one I saw him chasing after the ref. Where I was like, oh mate, you are just being an absolute clown here. Um, for a guy that's got as much talent as he's got, if he concentrated on the game rather than, you know, feeling slighted by decisions. Um, uh, the uh, After the Zawada goal, he had, I think it was Zawada again, who had an absolute punishing drive from the um, just outside the box and just missed. He hit the um, net support pole. That was Roofer again. Was it Roofer again? Mm-hmm. Oh, Oh yes, true. It was because he's like it looked like he had his tail up. I thought, yeah, there are a few people next to me, next to me in the um, site who thought that had gone in. They were they were dancing. Yeah, this is exactly the sort of one I expected him to score when he finally got it. Um, yeah, imagine if he got two in one game. Oh. Yeah, well, yeah, I it would have made me feel a lot better about this game. Um, two 0 up at half time. It felt like we were cruising. Absolutely, and I think the stats kind of show that. I think we had, you know, 6% of the ball, just about all the shots. I can't really remember at halftime any decent save that Ollie had to make. Um, oh, that was one low down, I think, towards the very end. Um, they made mm. a low save, and it went wide, and they followed up and fluffed it. Um, but other than that, I think Ollie had a pretty quiet game up until that point. Yeah, it, it felt like we were all over them. Um, and you thought surely we're going to roll into the second half and put it to bed like the uh, like the ladies did before them. Mm. Uh, bef- probably, uh, well, I think it was about thirty fifth minute um, uh, or roundabout. Clayton Lewis took a nasty uh, hyperflexion to that uh, to his knee. Um, that eventually saw him um, subbed uh, five or six minutes after half time. Um, I, I saw this and I was thinking that was the season gone for him. I didn't think he was getting up. I said exactly the same thing. I thought, shit, he's done. And um, yeah, I was I was gutted for him and then stood up, walked it off. And I was like, oh, Jesus, because the replay we saw did not look like that was going to be one you just walk off. I almost threw up watching the replay. Like it just looked so bad. And then even when he like got up, I was like, nah, he can't sustain this. And then he just, kept going I was like no he can't he can't and then he did yeah I mean to be fair he was while he was running he was running around he he was jogging and he was limping he was yeah he was yeah really sure I'm I'm a little disappointed that they didn't just bite the bullet and yank him especially at halftime the idea that he'd come out after halftime yeah well especially seeing now sorry on social media he's been on crutches or in a brace or something like that um so that's not really ideal yeah at the very least that's a hyperflex um acl like that that whole knee's gone bent backwards yeah i think if he said at halftime they put him on the bike to try keep the the heat into the to the muscle so it yeah wouldn't seize up us um yeah. so they obviously tried to keep him going and eventually he succumbed to it um so yeah i'd probably I'm going to say he's probably not going to see him for a couple of weeks at least, I would have thought. It feels, and certainly in hindsight, it doesn't feel like the best decision by the the, uh, the team on this one. Especially when you've got Ugarkovic sitting on the bench, right? Yeah, I think that's the thing that gets me. Like, I can't imagine Lewis is a guy who's going to uh, want to come off. Like, he's going to fight you at every turn and say he's fine and he can carry on. But I think when you've got, um, you know, Ugarkovic ready to come on and the quality he brings... As a coaching staff, I would have just made the call. Um, it's not worth risking Clayton. You know, you know how important he's going to be to the remainder of the season, and you, you, it's just not worth the risk, in my opinion. You know, if you were if you were stepping down to a third stringer, maybe, but that wasn't the case here. It just seemed like a no brainer to to drag him and not risk it. Um, as the game we were on, I don't think it was on Ugarkovic. Um, we started uh, defending a lot more and letting um, Mariners back into the game until pretty much that last 20 minutes. I think basically we were just playing um, deliberately into our own half. Um, certainly the last 10 minutes, I don't think we had a man further than out into that middle third at all. It was just boot the ball away. Um, that kind of disappointed me a, a little bit as well. When we'd been 
you know, so good at basically was playing solid football to then retreat back and just go, we're going to defend for 20 minutes seemed a bit negative and dangerous. Yeah, um, I guess Central Coast, they, they came out a bit better in the second half and, and so the game kind of evened up in that regard and our chances um, dried up a little bit. Well, quite a lot actually. I, think, I can't remember a good chance we had in the second half. But uh, yeah, I guess by the time, once they started putting a few more men in the attacking third, we obviously counted by putting Sermon on, into the back line. And, and at that point, I think we kind of lost all sort of composure really because as soon as we got it, instead of looking for someone to try, you know, give us a bit, relieve us a bit of pressure, we kind of just kind of hoiked it forward in, in the hope that Zavada was, was somewhere nearby. Um, and Zavada was playing in the midfield by that stage. Well, yeah, I think he was roaming around the top somewhere, but yeah, the uh, the chance of him getting it, um, yeah, controlling and trying to win stuff was was pretty slim. He did it obviously a few times, but yeah, we just um, just got a bit sort of rattled a bit. Um, Mm, yeah, it certainly felt that way. And um, with the ref losing more and more control of the game, getting rattled, everyone getting desperate. Uh, as you said, Dale, things got tetchy, even more tetchy as we went along. A couple of yellow cards popped out, but Inkololo uh, 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 managed to get that one back and things really got heated after that. Uh there was a lot of desperation on both sides. Uh, I don't know that we can say much positive about that last 10 minutes plus injury time. Can we? I mean, no, we but... we held on, but... Yeah, I mean, as you say, desperation is is the word for it. We we just kind of lacked all composure. We were just hoofing the ball away, and and you know it seemed it seemed like we'd forgotten how dominant we'd been in that first half. You know, we had the quality out there to to hold some possession. We didn't necessarily need to be pushing for a goal, but we also didn't need to just be hoofing it every time we touched it. You know, there there is some ability out there to to play a few passes, open up some space, and just soak up some time without just hoofing it to Savada and hoping he's going to hold it up in the corner, uh, which we certainly tried a couple of times. And it just, you know, as you, as you said before, it just felt a bit negative given how dominant that first 45 had been to revert to clinging on for grim death in a game that we should have put to bed. You know, um, we, we looked for all money like a Phoenix team that was about to give away the points as we've seen before. Obviously that didn't happen, but oh, only through luck more than anything else. We looked so panicked. Um, and yeah, like you say, Dave, we just reverted to some weird form of football where we just hoofed it, forgetting our abilities. Um, I was very, very scared. Yeah, I mean, it's something we've seen from um, Ufi a few times when he's trying to defend a lead that he he just goes, no, everyone goes back. We're not going to try and play with the ball at all. We're just going to get rid of it. Um that would be one of the few criticisms I'd level at his uh, his style of play. I mean, he's been fairly consistent with everything he's done the last few years, but that's one thing I've we've seen him do a few times. And I'm I'm worried that this is going to be a thing where we, if we do go ahead, he's just going to look to defend. I wonder if it's a little bit that he he feels he doesn't have. Uh... Um, and don't groan at this, a Soterio playing up top um, and someone who can chase down balls, get in behind, provide a bit of a counter for when teams put a bit more players forward. Like with Zawada up there, you know, he's he's not going to be, you know, his hold-up play is really good, but he's not going to be one who's going to, you know, chase. chase. Well, I mean, he does, right, but he's, he's, it's a different kind of chase. Yeah. Um, and he's not one who's going to put pressure on their back line in behind, whereas Soteria, I think that always, you know, while his finishing was was questionable lots of the time, I think if you're a team, if the opposition team, and you see him there, you're probably always a bit nervous you're going to get caught out in behind. Um, whereas with Savada out there, you probably don't. You're probably like, oh, we're just going to um, hold the play up, and you know, we can try one when he's back to goal. So I wonder if there's a little bit of that. Um, and I don't really think we have a, yeah, maybe it's a. Do we really have a someone who can get in behind? As quickly as that, like maybe Sass, maybe I don't know. I don't know that's kind of the game. I mean, Costa would normally have done it, but he's getting a bit older and a bit 
less pacey. Um, I just don't know if we have a an outlet that kind of gives us that other dimension when we're playing on the counter more. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't I don't think we have that player anymore. But the the only argument I'd make against that being the whole reason is that we've seen Ufi do this before, and I would argue we were doing it when we had Ben Wayne, who was that player. We were bringing him on late and expecting him to run around a lot and get some ball. Um, but Ufi was still kind of reverting to this quite negative tactic to try and defend games, and we saw it fail a couple times earlier in the season. Um, and I would argue at that point we did have a player who he was trying to utilize in that way. You know, he was bringing Wayno on late to do exactly that. He might not have Soterio's pace, but you were expecting him to bring, you know, exuberant youth um, into, you know, running around a lot and getting those balls and trying to get him behind and, and be a bit of a problem there. He wasn't going to be the same threat for just fleecing them for pace for sure. Um, but even when we did have a player who could have done some of that, we were still going to this. So I don't think that's, that can be the whole reason. I think it's just obviously a defensive mindset. He, he seems to, seems to like as you know when you get to that 70 80 minute mark and you're up by a couple you should just be seeing the game out you know um whether or not we have the cattle on the field for it though is a different question but I think it's just something tactically Ufi likes and and thinking back to how he used to play that's probably the sort of grit he did like seeing out mm. games with you know I think I think maybe that's where it comes from yeah if you remember those early Sydney teams that was that was their raison d'etre at the best of times they might have had some flash forwards but Jesus, they were they were a bunch of granite monsters at the back. Um, uh, I want to come on to um, Bodajar Krove because um, throughout the rest of the season, he's raised my expectations pretty pretty high. And today, uh, well, sorry, not today. The that game, I just feel like he wasn't that great. I mean, obviously he had a, a week off, and maybe he was, had a point to prove or something. But he was taking a lot of time on the ball, trying to dribble, even when he was facing backwards, which is definitely not an oofy thing. He doesn't like that at all. Um, but he just looked like he slowed the ball down and got himself into worse situations more than anything. Um, what, what do you think the problem was? I wonder if it's a little bit because Cedric Coe's play, I think, a little bit lopsided. So I think um, the left fullback, whose name escapes me now, um, he plays a lot higher, and I think that means for us, our right side was much more forward to try get in his in behind him. Um, and so you saw, um, obviously the Zawada goal was that was us getting in behind, um, the left Farrell. back Farrell. That's it. Thank you, but in behind him and, and utilizing that space. And so, um, maybe it's a little bit of us countering their lopsided by going down the right side a bit more than we would normally. But yeah, he obviously had a very a very quiet game. Um, like I can't think of anything of note that he he really did. No, he had. I remember him having words with um, someone. Oh, I think it was um, Zabata who didn't pass to him while he was at the top of the box, uh, just screaming into the box. But yeah, I, I just remember my my overwhelming memory is of him with a ball at his feet, moving moving away from goal with a defender, just basically push. Pushing him towards Ollie Sale. Yeah, um, I'm hoping that that changes. Uh, I, I want to give a shout out to um, Brian Caltech as well. I thought he had a good game. Like we've seen him have a couple of good games with bad moments throughout the rest of the season, but I thought he was pretty solid. Apart from going through some almost ripping someone's legs off, but you know. Oh, and and maybe being at fault for both of the goals. I mean, apart from that, yeah, he was good. I mean. He, he was nowhere near Zavada for the second goal. Yeah, and, yeah, the Zavada goal, it's fair. Yeah, and then he, he let Rufa go past him without even following him. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to excuse the two goals, yeah, he had a great game. I I don't want to defend him on this game at all, but I, I will say he's done better than I expected him to in the A-League. I think he's, I think he's showing the ability to be an A-League quality player. Um, we've seen some really good performances from him if you if you watch the Mariners games. But the thing that still stands out for me is I just don't think he's an import quality defender. Um, you know, if if he was a local spot, I think it'd be a no-brainer to have him in pretty much any side. I think he he, he can do a job in there, but I just don't know that he's at that level to, to be an import. And so that's probably why he makes it into the Mariners squad, because they don't look to 
build themselves around big flashy imports. And so they've got slots available, um, which is great. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I think he had moments in, in this game where he was very, very good, but he also had, as we've seen previously, a couple moments where he costs a goal. Yeah, I think he has good parts of the game that hold up well in the A-League. You know, he's pretty good in the tackle. Um, his passing is, you know, is, is pretty reasonable for a centre-back. I think what lets him down is his is awareness of the game. I think he gets caught ball-watching ball far too much, and we saw that in that first game we have played against them where he watched someone run past him. Ben Wayne was it for the goal in that very first game against Central Coast. I think he just gets caught watching the ball and not the runners. And so if you can put a little shimmy on him or drift off his shoulder, um, that's where you get your yard of space, and that's where you, you, you can you know um, make him look a bit silly. I, I must admit, I didn't. I didn't notice that it was him on the on the roofer goal. Um, but yeah, is it? I, I I question whether it's just that he's such a big lad. He just doesn't. He's got a bit of a bad turning circle. I mean, there's probably an element to that. But we've seen we've seen A League defenders who are big units before still put in uh, solid careers in there, and hopefully he does too. We should make mention of uh, the uh, post-game uh, drama that happened. Uh, Ollie Sale going to hit a um, kick from hand up and I think taking umbrage at something one of the uh, Mariners players was doing and it all kicked off again. Uh, this got very big very fast. I did not see exactly what happened. Um who got a good view of it? Well, so I, I saw it live and I, I saw the player come in and kind of challenge Ollie. And I I thought one of them had left the shoulder and is what I thought had happened. And and the Mariners player ended up on the ground and then suddenly the bench had cleared and they were all over Ollie and it was just all go. Um, but I, I genuinely watching it live, I'd seen that there was some contact and I thought, I'm really not sure whether that's Ollie's kind of followed through a bit with his shoulder or... The Mariners followed through a bit on Ollie. I, I couldn't tell. All I knew is the Mariner ended up on the ground. Um, but watching the replays, I mean, it's it's incredibly clear to me that the Mariner comes and studs up and cops him right in the hand. Full studs to his hand, and Ollie takes umbrage at that, probably rightly so, um, and then wrongly so retaliates by pushing the Mariner's player to the ground. But, I mean, coming in studs and catching the keeper on the hand is pretty poor form. You're not you're not even meant to challenge for that out of his hand, let alone studs raised that high. Um, as we see in the video, it's 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 pretty bad. Yeah, and, and when you see the the point of the contact, and it's only at the corner of the the coverage, the ball wasn't even still in the, the the frame of the shot, so the ball's well and truly gone. Um, so it's not like he's just doing one of those like token kind of half-assed clearances to try to put the goalkeeper off. He's kind of gone quite late across Ollie and obviously after Ollie's kicked it, his momentum's gone back and he's been caught on the hand. Enough for him to be able to point out to the referee that there's at least a mark on his hand. So it can't have been just a, a slight graze. It must have been quite a decent um hit. But yeah, obviously um yeah, clear the clear the bench. I think probably the one of the good things was is that Ollie got a yellow card at the time. So it meant anything that he did after that can't have been uh, picked up because um it had already been treated by the on the on field um ref. But it feels like the first guy was it Triantis, I think, who did yeah. the didn't get anything. Um, no, he got was, a yellow. He got a yellow as well, which meant he? he couldn't be yeah. looked at either. Yeah, that's exactly right. So was I, it the guy I, who rushed in at the end? The first person who rushed in and, and made it kick off. He the one that didn't get anything. Yeah, well, no, no one else got anything. Just the two players um, involved in the initial um, initial interaction. Which I mean, given the bench literally cleared, I and and they are in there, and you've seen the aftermath of Ollie. I mean, his shirt is basically ripped right off him, and and there was a lot of a lot of pushing and shoving. I I think if it if it was me and I was on that match review panel, I would be citing a few of those players because you can't you're not you're not even in the game at that point, and you've rushed the field to grab the opposing goalkeeper. I think it's pretty pretty bad form, and I would be citing some of those players at least for for something. Um, but yeah, the two players involved in the initial stuff both get yellows, and therefore the match review panel can't look at it because I I think that stud to the hand probably was deserving of a red, but obviously the referees didn't see it. Um, and the match review panel can't look at it because the yellow was given. Um, but Ollie didn't cover himself in glory either, and and probably should be looking at something too. So, I mean, it all it all comes out pretty even in the wash. But the bench clearing to, for me is a pretty pretty bad look. 
And if that bench doesn't clear, that doesn't end up with all the Phoenix players and all the Mariners players who are on the field also in the brawl. You know who else doesn't come out covered in glory? Gilly? Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> he is in there firing up. Yeah. The, yeah, I wonder if they'll get they get it please explain. But did you does anyone notice what Sam Sutton did in all of this? No. So so after everyone's kind of in that one big sort of mob pushing shoving, he's just come in and just done the like jump on like jump on someone's shoulders. Like you know how people do it in the goal celebration where everyone's mobbed and he kinda of jump you know, you kinda of jump in at the top and celebrate. He's kinda of done that with a big grin on his face as he's kind of like thinking it's like hilarious that he's just he's just jumped on top of the mob in like a goal celebration mode it's fucking hilarious i rate that that's good i the the one person i will give kudos to in all of this though is vuko vuko doesn't move he packs up his gear picks up his towel and his water bottle and just leaves it be um which if there are a few more people taking that reaction to it you wouldn't have an all-in brawl the way you did i was just gonna mention vuko like it's on the TV, all you see is, like, the crowd is going mental because you can see what's going on at the other end. And he's just, like, casually got his back to it all and is just, like, taking off his gloves. Like, just super nonchalant. Well, he just run 200 metres uh, up and back. So he probably didn't have the, the legs to, to keep going. Yeah, he, he died on that uh, that second half return, didn't he? He, was, yeah. he gave it the full noise coming back and then went, I'm not making it. <laughs> just eased right off. God bless him. How old is he now? He's got to be in his late 30s. 37, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, still learning across from football. Good on him. We should probably get to the next games, uh, which are at the scenic Ring of Dirt in Palmerston North. Um, I don't even know what its official name is. Uh, is it like Central Energy Trust Arena or something? Yeah, oh, that's, something like that. What a, what an absolute earworm that is. Uh, right, well, I'll have a quick squiz and see where that, whether it actually says. No, it just says three days. Oh, no, here we go. Central Energy Trust Arena, Palmerston North. Well done, Dale. Yeah. Yeah. Hats off, hats off my man. Uh, that's at 3 p.m. Uh, Dale, do you want to give a plug to the bus going up? Or all the seats gone? No, I think there's probably three or four seats left to go. Yeah, so if you're keen, uh, $50 there and back, plus some drinks that Dave is going to go purchase on Friday, um, go to yellowfever.co.nz slash shop, and it should be in there. Um, yep, leaving either Parliament or um, we'll do a stop in door quickly for anyone who's out that way. Cool. What time? Uh, nine o'clock. Well, yeah, 8.45, ideally. <laughs> No way it's leaving before 9.30. We're a fucking shambles now. Be there at 8.45. I'm going to have my whistle. I'm going to have a list. And I'm going to take charge. That's what every... Stop. (laughs) There's too many jokes in there. Just let that one go through to the keeper, guys. Six things went to my mind and I couldn't work out which is the best one to use. I'm I'm giving that the big big leave. Um, I like processing and uh, like all just be about to say something oh i couldn't figure out what to say first um so that's the men's game at three o'clock at five o'clock the women are playing the raw as i mentioned earlier uh how do we reckon we're going to go there tracy you're gonna you're gonna go first on this one i don't know um give us a feeling Give it, give us a vibe. I think. Are we talking about the woman here? Both. I think for the woman, they'll be riding high after the victory on the weekend, um, and they'll hopefully have the um, the drive and it carries on. Um, I don't know if we'll get the win, but I think we'll push a little harder than we have in the past, um, and the men. We should beat Perth, I think. Especially they have to fly into Wellington and then drive to Palmy. So that's a bit of a shit set up for them. So hopefully that messes with their heads a bit. Yeah, it must be a new record for uh, distance travel between games now because Palmy's a bit further. Double double distance, Derby. That's excellent. And and going to the, uh, 
the uh, Ring of Dirt too. That's got to be they're going to be. Genuine question: Do you think that's why it's the Perth game? Like, because that would be great. For like, we get fucked every time we go to Perth. Like, it's it's a shit show every time we have to play it. Like one in the morning or whatever and we've gone you know what let's make him go to palmy fucking Stuff go to it. palmy you bastards um yeah I can confirm my source uh in the perth glory camp is most unhappy excellent tough titties that's that's the way it works what i'm going to be amused by is when i go on the on twitter on the hashtag when everyone's watching and they're going to be like what the fuck is this pitch that's got the dirt around it and they'll be so confused because they won't have picked out that it's not at sky stadium that it'll be quite amusing i think just tell everyone that we've decided to put a speedway ring in the um in the stadium just claim they're renovating the stadium or something it'd be great <laughs> they've been digging up the outer pitch and preparations for installing something new there's a native bird that we're trying to protect. Um, so, uh, Dale, Dave, which one of you wants to go next about your predictions? Oh, I'm happy to go. Um, I, I think Brisbane, you know, I, I hope we'll be more competitive. I hope we get out there, we show that, you know, we can play some football and maybe nick an early goal. Um, like Trey said, I don't know if we're coming away with a win necessarily, but I think the confidence of, of putting away five, keeping a clean sheet, has to count for something. There'll be some extra belief in there. And we've seen, even in the losses earlier in the season, the quality is there. They just need to put it together in a couple decent patches and and they could come away with one or even three points by nicking some on the counter. Um, but I think the Raw will have seen um, the effect of not pressing us. So I think they'll be, they'll be pressing. They'll be putting us under pressure because they know what that's done to us earlier in the season. So I don't think it'll come as easy, but hopefully we're... We're competitive and, and maybe you can nick some points. Um, the um, glory game. Oh, sorry. Go for it. I was about to uh, give you the the blurbs on the injuries before you ran in there. It uh, looks like Wooten and Lewis are likely out. Uh, Clisby's out for them. Uh, Adam Taggart has a niggle with a quad. Salim Khalifi's uh, got a foot injury as well. Um, there's rumours about Savada maybe having a bit of a niggle as well. Uh, I don't know if that gets counted into your... You're thinking, Dave? Yeah, well, I think I think Wooten being out's a, a big loss, but that's kind of expected. We obviously played with him uh, without him last week. Um, if Lewis is injured and out, which I think seems reasonably likely, that's a bigger loss. You know, that's not one we've um, traditionally done well without, but you've got pretty ready-made replacements to drop in there. I, th- I think it'll be okay, and I think Perth have looked pretty weak. So I think I think we still win this, but it is going to come down to us... Uh, Playing with a slightly weakened lineup in a, in a different location. Hopefully, the travel affects Perth enough that we can uh, still get it over them. But I, w- I would say it'll be goals both ways. Maybe like a two-one-three-one. Yeah, I think I think likewise. Um, those injuries do concern me. And if Adam Taggart's not playing, that's a big out for them. Uh, so that'll be good because mm. he scored two goals last weekend. Um, so, same with Salim Khalifa. He's been looking quite quite handy for them as well. Um, but if, if Sawada's out, that's um, a bit tricky because I'm not quite sure without Ben Wayne there who goes up top really. Um, I guess it's probably David Ball, Ball. and Costa and Sass yeah, comes off. Sass or Old go on on the wing. Um, so but yeah, you'd, th- you'd think that the travel will will be tough for them. I think Perth they've only got three points from their away games, which is one win so far. So they haven't travelled particularly well yet. Um, and as for the women, yeah, I think Brisbane don't seem that you know, that far ahead, hopefully. Um, I think it's an early kickoff, so it might be quite a, quite a warm game. So those games usually tend to be quite low scoring, um, quite slow paced, which I'm not really sure that helps us or not, but um, maybe it does. They're playing, they're playing after the men. Are they? Oh, I thought they yep. were playing at three o'clock. No, five. The men are playing at three. Yeah, but it's still early in Australia, is it? Not? Five o'clock, our Correct. time. Yeah, five o'clock, our time. So that's three, three o'clock. Yeah, so oh, yeah. that's um, it'll be quite a hot day usually. Um, so that might slow the game down quite a bit. I, I have a, a feeling we should do okay against Perth. I think they've got a, uh, they had a later game this last round, so they're probably basically having to travel for two days and then then play <laughs> the Ring of Dirt. That's just oh, hats off to whoever decided to do that. Um, yeah, the, the women, I think. There was enough there that I'm thinking. I'm hoping that basically they've got that counter sorted, and at least 
a, where a couple of those moves come off, maybe not for goals, if they can get a couple of those early doors, you know, first 10, 20 minutes, I reckon that they, their tails will still be up for that game. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking the men should do do Perth here. Even with a weakened lineup, I don't think Josh Laws is a bad replacement. Same with Ugarkovic. I think if Sawad is out, we're, we have real issues, though. We just don't have another striker. I mean, I think so long as you can get Borley, Costa, and Kraev on the field, there's goals there. I don't think it comes as easily. You don't have such an obvious target, but you do have three three players there who can score you enough goals to win this. Uh, but I don't think you'll set up in the same, like, here's our obvious number nine. I think it'll be a much more fluid um, moving piece up front um, mm. that hopefully they can make work and hopefully Kraev, um, you know, is back on form and things just click. I, I should add that part of my reasoning for taking um, Perth down would be, uh, even though they won 3-1 against the victory, uh, Matt Acton was one, had one of the worst games I've seen for a keeper in the A-League, and that is saying something. It was horrendous. If you uh, need a laugh, go and watch the highlights. He was diabolical. Um, I think that pretty much... Uh, covers it for tonight unless anyone has any further things to add do you want to give another plug dale for your bus no nah, i've done it well and i think i think as well just uh if you're in palmy get along to the game you, you don't get that many up that way so hopefully you're already aware it's coming and if you weren't and you're, you're finding out via this podcast buy a ticket and we'll see you there that seems unlikely who knows what the marketing budget was like dale it might have been very small i, I see the um fever zones almost sold out i think there's only like 15 seats left which um it should be a good little yeah, rocking rock little stand. So that should be uh, 36 sold, and that's well, basically Rory and all his cousins. It'll be interesting because um, it's cheap to buy a family pass. So if people have just been buying four tickets when there's only two people going, there might be a little bit of space in the fever zone because nobody's bringing children <laughs> to That is tickets. also true. I definitely know some people who've done exactly that, planning to use the two adult tickets, but not the kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, it all counts for the uh, crowd attendance. God forbid we should point out that that's bad maths. Um, let's leave it there and move on with our evening. Uh, thanks for listening and good night.